Well, I want to welcome everyone to another edition of Founder's Journey. I'm so excited about my next guest. She is a serial entrepreneur. Her and her husband just uh, a couple years started a, a, a company called Vivonics. <laughs> is that right, Vivonics? Yeah. Hey, this is uh, Christy Holt. So thanks, Christy, for coming on. And and let's just get right into it. Let's tell about your your your, your backstory. Tell what, what got you to where you are today. So thank you for having me here today. Um, it was fun. We were just talking about all the ways that we've actually run into each other over the past. Uh, let's see. I've been an entrepreneur now for about 23 years, Wow! if that's not uh, long enough. So I'll start back where everything started for me was way before um, I was ever old enough to actually own a business. I started a school out of our house when I was seven years old. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but I, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you're just some people say you're born that way or something inside of you sparks and then it's just there. Um, for me, I remember always trying to figure out uh, how to make money and how to serve. And that sounds at first it was in that in that order too. I was looking at how to make money and how to serve. Um, and one of my biggest learning experiences is to shift that to how can I serve and make money? Um, but we'll talk about that later. So when I was Let's see how, where, where do you want to start? I started doing accounting systems for, for small businesses right out of college when I was uh, 20, about 20 years old. And I did it for a small wireless company and we opened up six locations and I was just keeping all the books and, and, and it was a really fun project, but I got to see how to open small businesses. And when I was 21, I decided that I could do that. And I, with $10,000 in my pocket, went and started a day spa and which was so not in any industry I'd ever been in. Uh, I started doing permanent cosmetics after going to a trip in Lake Powell. It's a big old story, but that's what got me into the beauty industry. And I started tattooing people's faces, <laughs> which was really scary, but apparently I had the confidence to do it. And in fact, um, how I got and paid for my training was I convinced five girls to let me tattoo makeup on their face before I'd even got trained and prepay for it to pay for my training. Wow. It, it's, it's a hustler at its finest. <sighs> so I started this business when I was 21 and I sold it when I was 26 and we sold it for about half a million dollars. And we thought we were, I, I mean, my ego was so big and I thought I was amazing and nothing, no one was smarter. Nobody was richer. It's the most money I'd ever seen in my life. And I was on top of the world and decided to do it again, right outside of our non-compete, which was five miles and go downtown Salt Lake and right on main street in the Kimball building, this beautiful building already built out hundreds of thousands of dollars been poured into this space and just left for us. I remember the day that we were signing the lease and the attorney looks at me and says, does it feel like we're putting a square in a circle? And are we like, are we trying to make this work? And it just doesn't in my gut. I knew he was right. And, but we were, you know, the ego took over and I'm like, nope, we're doing this. I'll make anything work. I've done it before. And uh, about nine months later, ended up closing up shop because we couldn't come up with the $14,000 it took to open the doors every day. And I will tell you, um, deciding to close down my second business was an ego shot to the heart 
and I didn't know who I was because all of my identity was in what I did. And it, it just plummeted this belief in, in that I built up about me and proving that I could do anything in, in the world down to this, like, in my opinion, this embarrassment that I had to close the business because we couldn't make it work. And that was one of the hardest lessons. I know you might ask that question a little bit later, and I can tell you all the hard lessons in that, but it was also my greatest gift in business. I feel like I had the opportunity at a young age to learn that I am not what I do. And I feel like that lesson repeats itself over and over and over again. And I very, very kindly remember that experience when I go through other things as a business owner. Um, and that, that one always comes up always. So I, I really hold on to that lesson. I'm not um, you. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, I watch others go through it and I, I find a lot of compassion in that because I think that it can drive people to depression. It can dive, drive them to extreme things and the help and uh, relationships, decision-making just kind of plummet um, depression, you know, and, and I can get to that story later about when I uh, observed that with my partner and you know, it was actually the first time I felt depression in my life was when I felt like I lost everything, disappointed everyone and all that money I made. I just lost it in, in a lot of ways. Uh, we got a grant from downtown Salt Lake and I, I didn't fulfill what I said I would. Oh, it was just, it was horrible. Um, so then I took about a year off, a year and a half off, maybe two years, two years. And in that time, um, got married, moved to Las Vegas and had my first baby. And I was 30 something at this time. Actually, I took more off. Yeah. Cause I had a really great successful husband <laughs> and I had two, one and a half kids. So I had one and a half and I started my next company and it was an e-commerce. I decided I didn't want to do anything more with brick and mortar. Um, and I, cause I wanted to be a mom. We started e-commerce a party plan company, which we taught women to do a high, a high demand service from home. So it was a home-based business and we were in 48 States within two years. We imported all of our stuff from China. So that was my first experience with that. Um, we developed all of our own products. So we manufactured our own product line and uh, what was interesting about that experience is we had 50 women pay us and our goal was to hit $50,000 to before we launched and we got 50, 50 women to pay us a thousand dollars each before they'd ever even smelled, touched or felt our product. And it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, I loved that business. What I loved most about that was how we helped women financially. Mm -hmm. We found that $300 in a household would change the, the trajectory of the family, mm -hmm. 300 bucks. So we, we called it cash in pocket. These stay at home women could airbrush tan other women. And um, the number one thing we found was that cash that was generated. Secondly, we found um, the connection and the vulnerability and this magic that happened when women uh, got to experience this service. So it, it touched my heartstrings. I love helping women. I kind of had a thread of through all these businesses. Um, after seven years of that business, I sold it to my business partner and it just resold for the second time. And 
in the midst of that, my husband and I did aluminum anodizing company that our biggest, um, our biggest customer ended up buying us after a year. So then we did and opened our first solar company and that solar company we had for about four years and sold that. And that's when I went back to work all that and went back to work. And I got a job at a wealth management firm. Um, I realized that I had a ceiling on my own belief about money mm-hmm. and I could only hit a certain level of success. So what better way to understand different levels of success than be around more money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least that was my thought concept. And, and I, and I proved myself right. I was part of amazing conversations and around a very abundant, high, high wealth people who talked about business differently and did business differently. And I was so grateful to be a fly on the wall, learn from them, learn from other CEOs in our community. I joined many networking groups. And when I would just sit and listen and learn and see what I could gather from these very successful entrepreneurs and other CEOs. Um, of course, my entrepreneur spirit didn't die. So while I would have that job, um, my business partner and I, we, we were a part of four other additional startups, one in um, CBD manufacturing, another one in auto lending. Um, and, and I got to experience what it was like to be a part of a fund, raise money, and then, of course, um, finance subprime auto lending. And then also a magazine. We started a magazine together in a media company. And, and then this technology company, and, uh, I was definitely at a burnout, (laughs) um, because in the midst of that had three more children. So this time I had four children and, um, I can get into some other personal stuff that drove Ryan and I to, uh, develop and and continue with Vibonics. But in the beginning of 2019 decided I was going to die or my businesses were, I mean that in all reality. And so negotiated out of all the operations of things, some of the businesses I just walked away from, other ones I negotiated out, and some of them we still maintain small amounts of ownership, but decided to only focus on what I feel was the most important to me and that could do the best in the world. I was tired of being tired (laughs) and I wanted to be in purpose and I started going through some of my own healing and, and, and seeing the world differently and through some of our own experiences and decided to do business differently where I was set that if we could build a business that was truly helpful, that everything else would fall into place. So we shifted the way we did business and, and it's been an incredible ride. We never would have imagined what we where we've come and how long it took to get here, but the rewards that have come in the process. Um, to be where we are today, uh, it wasn't easy. It was actually really, really hard, but it was that drive that got us through that. And now I feel like we're doing something that's meaningful and that brings purpose and, and ironically uh, is extremely helpful in the chaos that that the world is in right now. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the timing was perfect around COVID hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me time to kind of detach from all those businesses and then also focus and, and uh, bring Vibonics into true fruition. 
So, How's so, that? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. So tell us a little more so people understand about a little more about Vibonics. Just give us a little bit of a, what, what does that exactly mean? What, is, what do you guys do and that sort of thing? Okay, so we quantify wellness using voice analysis AI. Okay. It's a big thing, but I'll tell you what at the core, what does that mean? So we are a technology company, but really what we do is um, heighten your emotional intelligence through self-awareness. Again, so what does that mean? It helps you see where your current emotional state is and then gives you an idea of how to move through it and manage through that emotional response. Um, and then like getting into your heart and mind coherence. So, uh, and all done through scientifically proven algorithms and um, evidence-based science as well. And, and I mean, it sounds like there might have been some, some things that, that led us on a personal level that, that, hey, this is something that we, I need my life. Is that, I'm kind of getting that a little bit from you. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. So remember that thing when I had my first failure, yeah. right? Um, it was extremely painful. Yeah. And my husband ended up going through that about seven years after me. He was at the top of his game. Um, very, very, very successful financially in business and was miserable every day, even though he was in an industry that people coveted, um, which was the golf industry. And when, when he left the golf industry in hopes of, you know, being an entrepreneur, he realized how much of his identity was wrapped up in that job. Mm. And it just, I mean, just deep depression after that. And, you know, I think it's common. Well, we know it's common now. Um, at the time, we hid it from everybody. Um, at the time, I didn't know even at extreme what, it, what all this meant. And, and then coping skills that were brought in were, were not healthy. And it really was a painful time. And um, how, did, how we got through that and how we managed through that, the tools I wish we would have had. Right. So we really learned what was what could have helped the healing and transformation happen easier or how we could have prevented it or even how we could have managed through it differently. And uh, and, that, and that's really where Vibonics and the, and the idea of Vibonics just burns inside of us to keep moving, even though it's been hard, it's difficult. There's been a lot of challenges. Um just knowing how important it was and how much it could have helped our family. And then the families that we met that were going through similar things, whether it's depression or anxiety um, that, that ends up in addiction, that ends up in uh, separation, divorce, like there's a lot of outcomes that come when we don't know how to respond uh, to our emotional situation. Like we emotionally respond and we don't know how to manage through that. And really in our culture, I don't know that we are ever taught the tools to navigate through life. Mm. <laughs> we're, we're taught like the meanings and, and yeah. what we, what we should or shouldn't do, but like, what are the tools? And, and, and really like what we found is most people judge emotions harshly. Um, they, they say what's good and bad anger's bad, or you shouldn't feel that way, or, you know, it, just think positive. And, and that's really just not true. We have to experience it, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, we, it needs to be expressed. Um, one thing that I think our culture teaches is to suppress and ignore yeah. and tolerate and, and, and shove it and, and move it. And 
deny it. Mm. Right. So, and, and not ask it questions. What we found is, uh, you know, anger or sadness or trauma is here to teach you more about you. Right. And that's really the gift in it. And what does that mean? That you are an amazing human being that has more sources available to you than sometimes we even realize. And when we don't realize that something happens to teach us again, how to remember who we are and who and what we really are. Right. So I think those trials that come are to guide you back to know who you are. And so how do we ask our emotions questions, give it a seat at the table, uh, let it be seen, let it be heard, let it be felt. And then it moves through you. And this is now, now we're getting into science and energy and frequency and how we can prove this. Right. So, um, what we've learned is if we can just observe emotion and, and, and not become it, that that's, that's how we can really be. Healthy. I feel it. I'm not it. I, I, I feel sad. I'm not sad type deal. Right. Yeah. right. And, and stop judging it and say, Oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Well, you feel that way. So no, no what? Yeah. Right. So let's ask it some questions. I remember I had a, a session with a, a, a wonderful woman who was going through extreme levels of depression. And I, and I just asked her one time, I said, what do you think it's here to teach you? And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, she goes, I just want it to go away. And I was like, well, it, it's here and it keeps staying here. What do you think it needs to tell you? Or what do you think it wants to tell you? And and she's like, okay, let me just sit with that. She just started, oh, yeah. Here she just started sobbing and she just wanted to remember her innocence. Wow. And and so, like the next question was, well, what what's keeping you from that? Right. So it just just treating this differently than what we've been taught, so we can live happier, healthier lives and and thrive, right? And 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 feel joy and experience joy and and, and move towards love. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know how many people talk this way, but I hope everyone begins to, yeah. because our true essence is joy. And if we can return to love, it just, we can put down a lot of that fight inside of us. You know, I think the beautiful thing I like about this conversation is that, that you, you're truly, you're, you're living your passion right now. You, I can feel this as you talk. I mean, this is something that's so important to you from, from both personally, and then where you're seeing other people and that, that this is something that, this this founder's journey this one is something that really touches your heart and touches other people's hearts right some of the things before we got you here but this is what you're here for is that what i'm is that what i'm kind of feeling a little bit 100 percent. and so when you're saying like what's your founder's journey i think i think when people start businesses and start companies it's because there's there's usually one of one of two things and and it's usually like how do i make money yeah right which is important my family <laughs> which is extremely important right yeah and then and then do i like it yeah and sometimes they are not coherent yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they are and not only do i like it but am i passionate about it because when you start a company and you just like it yeah. there's a really high predictability that it, that you will stop mm -hmm. and you'll either stop because it doesn't make money You'll stop because you just don't want to do it anymore, or you'll stop because it doesn't make money and you can't afford to continue to do something that you really don't like anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, and that's a whole other conversation about when when is it okay to quit? Yeah. 
right? That there's a whole book that should be wrote on that. That's because right. sometimes the no's, like knowing when to say no, knowing when, you know, asking yourself what's important and so much that we give away to other people and specialists or people that are smarter or people that we, we, we put on a pedestal to help us make decisions where if we just ask ourselves, we are our greatest teacher. All of the truth is within. By the way, that's one of my biggest lessons. Okay. That, that, that all the truth is within, huh? That's the, uh, yeah. I'm glad because I was going to ask you what, what was the, uh, you know, if you had to give some advice, I mean, what, what was your, what was the greatest lesson and how old advice you would give somebody? Uh, you no, know, I, I, I went to college for about three years um, in business management and accounting, but I didn't graduate. Mm -hmm. Okay. I am not a psychologist, but I love and adore be human behavior. I've observed it my whole life. Every time I was in, oh, by the way, I became a licensed esthetician when I had a day spa. So I got to sit with women specifically all the time. Um, so I love human behavior, but I'm not a psychologist, mm -hmm. right? I absolutely adore or, or learn. I was going to say, actually, I adore people, but I just said that I love data. Mm -hmm. And, and yet I don't have, I'm not a data scientist. Mm -hmm. So I had stories inside me that I think I needed to reach out to the specialist or to the professionals. And what I realized is that was just a story that kept me from creating what I intuitively knew was right. Right. That, uh, that, that, that yes, I need their help, but there was something in me guiding me to this that that wasn't that didn't require any of those things yeah. and i and then to trust it so i guess my my biggest advice is to ask yourself because if you believe it you'll make it happen yeah. and if you don't believe it it's not going to happen so really ask yourself what your truth is and then let that be the truth that guides you uh, last last question I was going to ask is if there's a book that you would say so something you suggest when I read what would it be that to uh, if there... this is going to be a funny answer especially based on um, I feel like I just shared a very uh, heartfelt side of me but my answer is going to be very logical <laughs> um, the E Myth oh, the E Myth is one of my favorite books because for many many years I felt owned by my business. I was like running ragged. I felt like I was chasing. I felt like I was. So I'll tell you three books that, that really, in my opinion, have been game changers in my business experience. So the E-Myth, how to get things in a process that's, that's repeatable, right? So a monkey could do it. And, and I don't mean everyone's monkeys, but like you don't have to have an expert in that position to complete a task. The task gets completed because the process is clear. Mm. Um, so I would say the E-Myth, the other one is predictable success. Now, this one to me is been the best book for me, especially when I'm hiring or working with people. If you know, you have to know how they think, and then you can know if the expectation or the accountability of their job is actually going to be done. So if you, for example, I am a visionary, and I also, I, and then I, that's my highest one, but I, I equally was a processor and operator and a synergist. So that having those four pillars strong in your business would give you predictable success, right? But if you're missing one of those pieces, it's predictable failure. Mm -hmm. 
So in your leadership team, what I have come to understand is in your decision makers, you have to have a visionary, know where the company is going. You have to have a strong process or mind. How are we going to get there? Um, you also have to have a really strong operator. And by the way, they're all equally important. Yeah. An operator who works that process, right? They're, they're some of my favorites because they like show up at the same time every day. They love checklists yeah. and they will get that checklist done every single time, right? The processor is really good at writing the checklist, but the processor isn't always good at doing the checklist that they wrote. Mm -hmm. It's just funny things you can probably find in your own business. And then last but not least is a synergist. It takes a team to be successful. You cannot do it yourself. You don't most likely you don't have the skill sets to do it yourself. So find the right people to do the work with. And then the last one was profit first. Mm. I don't know if you guys read that one, but I did not do that. I ran businesses on a traditional balance sheet where you know, you get your revenue to come in, you take out your cost of goods sold, you take out your expenses. And then at the very end, you get what's left. So you're constantly in this mentality of giving yourself the scraps. I, I needed to not think that way anymore. Cause I was, I felt like I was drowning and I never was in charge of my own balance sheet and my profit and loss. And it just felt off all the time. So predictable success puts, or excuse me, um, Profit first, you put your profit first before your expenses and then see if you can really afford what you're spending. So it's a different mindset. It, it, you, you take that profit out first and then you adjust your expenses versus adjust your profits. Mm. Because most people are running their businesses that they can't afford to run. Yeah. So those are very logical. <laughs> All those were like, Ding! All of them are amazing. Those are my three favorite business books. Wow, you know, and so the, the last thing I would because this is part of the tech founder circle, you know, and and with a little mm -hmm. tech emphasis here, because you you've done all kinds of. I, I was kind of shocked actually, you know, hear all the things you've done and so so vast. Uh, although you did some some um, um, online type stuff, but the, this was really is this really the very first tech one you did or, or, or yeah. The other ones? yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've managed a tech stack in my own businesses, but no, I never yeah. like, yeah. no, I never yeah. done a tech company. What was the one thing that was different about this versus, um, uh, I mean, cause this is a whole new, cause I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not, a, you're not a programmer. You're not a coder. You're, you know? nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. So here's what I will say is the biggest difference in a tech company. And I hope every tech company, well, I'm sure would agree. It tech moves fast and it's extremely expensive in my opinion with even solar. It's like, okay, this is going to cost us $15,000. We're going to charge 30, go sell it. We'll buy all the parts, go put it on. Yeah. We got this right tech. It's like, you, you got to come up with this idea. You got to prove that there's an algorithm or then, and then how do you connect it with an API? And then how's the user interface? And do the users get what you're trying to put out? And then you got to test it, retest it. Are we solving a real problem or is this just fun? And then how do we monetize? Like it's a holy crap problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you're trying to solve. And it, and it feels like there's so many moving pieces that are happening fast. Yeah. So I think with the tech company, for me, you think your runway six months, give it 12. Gotcha. You think you need a year of salary in your, in your bank account, take care of your family before you start, give it two. Mm -hmm. Like I have found the test, the retest, the 
taking it in, learning. It's just this never ending process and you never get it done. And that can be expensive and a, a long time. So I think the runway on a tech company was a lot longer than I anticipated and more expensive than I anticipated. So, but also, you know, when you start getting it all figured out, it's very lucrative if you do it right. Yeah. But if you do it wrong, you might, you might run out before you get it right. And then you're just screwed. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I think, and it's very competitive, right? Yeah. You better have something that A, people are asking for and B, that people want and C is different enough that people care. Yeah. Well, I, I said, I think those are some, some great stuff. I, I've really enjoyed this, uh, Christy. And so I, and I hope that uh, people appreciate it. And, and so if somebody wants to to maybe ask you more questions or, or find a little more about your business or what, what, they, what should they do? How should they, how should they get a you, get over your business? What do they need to do? Yeah, LinkedIn. I, I, I love my business community on LinkedIn. Um, our product is invite only, um, not to sound like we're an exclusive club. We just happen to be B2B. Um, so if anyone wants to try it, like right now, we're open to have people try it, especially in our tech community. Um, Joel McKay Smith, he's part of us. And so we're going to be putting it out there for people to try. We'd love to have your feedback. And I will share, we launched with Juan Diego High School. And um, this is on a personal note. I know that there's a lot of parents who are really trying to understand their children and their children understand themselves. So my heart strings are all connected to that. If, if there's anyone in your family that you'd like to offer this to, my 14-year-old son uses it every day. And then we have really meaningful conversations about where he's at and how he's doing. Um, and then also email Christy at Vibonics.com or you can go to Vibonics.com and, and be notified of things that we're doing. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, and we'll uh, and, and hopefully if... If, also, if people, if they're not part of the, the uh, tech founder circle, um, yeah. reach out to me, reach out to Christy, Joel, Paul, whoever, and then and, uh, join us and yeah. and uh, the, all the funds there. So, all right, thanks. And just one ask, support yeah. women in tech. We need more go. of us. Uh, women yeah. think differently. It's yeah. so relevant. It's so um, clear yeah. that we think differently. So I think having women in tech can, can really be awesome. So if you know women in tech support them um, and and really help their businesses flourish because i think they're doing some really cool things in the world well, thank you so much